day job we have a bunch of different processes we have to do to get things done um, different ways to review things for safety or efficiency or uh, just just to, just about keeping up what's going on and passing the knowledge on from one person to the next and one of the things that we have to do whenever we pr approach a particular room is we do what's called a cold eyes review what is a cold eyes review? That means if we want to see if something is particularly safe or clean or, or working properly, we have somebody who's never been in the room or at least has, never been, has not been in the room in a while come take a look at what's going on. And because they're used to what's going, they're not used to what's going on, rather, they'll look and say, hey, what's going on with this corner? What's this? And why is this here? And how does that work? And why can't this work better? And we do that in order to get a fresh perspective on what's going on, a way that everybody can look at what's going on a different way. Looking at things a different way allowed us to see what could be improved upon. Not only did it allow us to see what could be improved upon, it helped us from going back to our old way of doing it. And Paul was trying to get the Colossians to look at this thing that we now call Christianity a new way. Not only this thing that we call Christianity a new way, but this thing that we call life. Paul, last week we talked about how Paul was talking to the church about people getting tied up in false doctrine and smooth talking. This false doctrine focused on getting into heaven without Jesus. It focused on having salvation by doing a bunch of works. Uh, Paul was saying, though, that the resurrection came not through saying, look at how hard I worked, look at me, but it came through Jesus. The fact that Jesus died on the Christ and died on the cross, rather, and rose again, is the same thing that happens to us. We died with Christ, and now we are going to be revealed in Christ. And so when it says in the text, since then you have been made raised with Christ, set your heart on, work, on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Paul is basically saying, if you're going to be in this resurrected life, you need to act like it. You need to operate like you mean it. It's more than just saying, I believe in Jesus. It's more than just saying, I believe in Christ. I believe that God raised Christ from the dead. It's more than saying, you have to do something about it. And before you do something about it, you have to change the way that you think about it. So he's saying, set your mind on things above. And so when you set your minds on things above instead of below, you're able to transform the way you think and transform the way you operate. And so we need to act like it. We need to do what Jesus did. We need to listen to what Jesus said. We need to love what Jesus loved and set our minds on Jesus. I said it last week and I'll say it again. Jesus is not separated from his teachings. 
what Jesus taught us to do and who Jesus is, they're the same. You can't mix them up. You can't decide that because you have this opinion of Jesus and how Jesus would have operated in a certain situation, if it's contrary to what he said, if it's contrary to the laws that he followed, if it's contrary to how he operated, then that's not what Jesus would really do. So we set our minds on things above and we realize that Jesus is not separated from his teachings and he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father so that lets you know he's in charge. Some of those competing philosophies that were going around at the time and some of those same competing philosophies are here today and different competing philosophies as well, but it's all one and the same. There's nothing new under the sun. And some of these things that I get interested in when I see these people talking about they're on to these new things, and I can say, oh, they were talking about that in 800 B.C. It's not that new. But these competing philosophies that were going on were having you start in the natural and work your way to the spiritual. You would start trying to affect the nature and the elements and work your way back to the spiritual, but the text is saying that you start with the resurrected Christ. And once you have the resurrected Christ in charge of your life, in the spiritual, it will go out into the natural. Living under God's rule is not only something, is, is, is rather something we need to do in the present and not just worry about in the sweet by and by. The Bible says when Jesus said that the kingdom of God is at hand, that meant not just that it was coming, but it was stuff that was literally within arm's reach. When Jesus prayed that perfect, prayer, that perfect prayer, rather, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just here about having abundance. And now I'm not talking, when I say abundance, not just money. I'm talking about life, health, and strength, and peace, and different things in your life. All of these things that go on, you're supposed to have now not just in the sweet by and by. And so you get connected to Christ, and then you let Christ take over control of your life. And then once the spiritual is taken care of, it will manifest in the natural. This is not our life anymore. And living under God's rule is not is something that we need to do rather in the present and not just think about later. That's why Paul said in Galatians 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but the Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are tied to Jesus. And then it goes on later on in another text in Philippians 1. It says, for this, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now I know also Christ will be magnified in my body. Christ will be magnified in my body. Christ will be magnified in my body. Whether to live, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ makes up which is the greatest value in our lives because our lives belong to Christ. The text has often been misinterpreted 
and particularly a lot of the New Testament texts when they talk about slavery and there was times where it was, it was, it was manipulated in order to, 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 to keep slavery going forward, but it was not about being enslaved to another person. It was about being enslaved to Christ. There is no other decision. You want what Christ would want for you. Christ is here, and we are tied to him, and this is the path that we need to go. You don't need another soothsayer, a shaman, a horoscope reader, some crystal age interpreter, some magic stone, sorcerer, any of that. Just as you start with the spiritual in Christ that will take care of all of that. The spiritual will take care of the natural, and the text does the same thing. So when we set our minds on things above, when we look at things a different way, we'll be better able to access what God has in store for us. And by dying with Christ, we are putting to death the things that separate us from God, the vices, the fornication, the uncleanliness, the evil desire, the covetedness, they all boil down to wanting things that are not yours. When you want something that is not yours, when you want something that is not meant for you, when you want something that is not designed for you to have, you will set yourself up for failure every time. I remember reading an adage a long time ago when I was a a young child, and it says, shoes obtained by devilish ways will burn your feet. So all of that, you, you, you ought to want what God has for you. How do you know what God has for you? It's in the book. Everything that God has for you is in the text. I get angry when I see people who don't believe in Jesus read the Bible more than we do. That ought not be so. And then so we talk about those things, but they boil down to you need to want what God has for you, not what somebody else desires for you. And that second list is anger of anger and malice and blasphemy and filthy language and lying. That all goes into relationships with others. There are sins that not only focus on relationships with others, but focus on speech. I was talking about we need to say what God, what Jesus said and love what Jesus loved and we can't be angry at one another. We can't hold malice towards one another. We ought not be using filthy language towards one another. If we look at what Jesus said, we can go to Matthew, and when they heard in the text around Matthew 22 that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees gathered together to ask him a question, to test him. Jesus, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said, you should love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And then he said, a second one is like this, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two laws hang all the, all the, on these two commandments rather, hang all the law and all the prophets. So are we loving one another? Are we treating other people the way that Jesus would treat them? We say we follow Jesus. We call ourselves Christians. That's what Jesus said to do. And they were saying it before that because he was quoting Deuteronomy. Set your mind on things above and love one another. And watch your speech. Watch how you talk to people. The tongue is the softest thing in the body, but it can, be, it can do more damage than broken bones. 
we all walk around with hurt from something that somebody said or did not say to us. And it'll last for years, decades sometimes. Watch our speech. Dealing with somebody's mind and how you treat them is, is, is extremely important. And so we have to put off everything. Because when we don't, when we keep that on, when we keep that old way of thinking, rather, that stinking thinking, it means death. The Message Bible takes the uh, verses 5 through 8 and says it means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it. And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all the stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So to make sure that it's gone for good, that bad temper and everything that's dirty talk, we got to make sure that it's gone for good. I was talking to a psychologist one time, and he brought up a very interesting point. I'm not a, I don't study psychology officially, but I am a student of it. I read the magazines and the trade journals, and one thing that he brought up in our conversation was is that the reason Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous and Cocaine Anonymous and all of these different groups work so well is because... Whenever you know what you are doing, it is hard to keep doing it. They're able to handle the the, the destruction and everything that they're doing, and that's why an intervention or dealing in these groups works so well because they force you to realize what you are doing to everybody else. You become self-aware of the damage. It may not change overnight. But once you understand what you are doing to others and yourself, it becomes harder and harder to go back to that way. The new self, we're putting on the clothes and putting on the things that we want to do. We renew our mind. And once we renew our mind, and once you are aware of how these things are going, it feels good for the moment. And you may continue to use it to try to pacify yourself. But once it's in your mind, you start heading the other direction. You become self-aware. And once that starts happening, once you've experienced what's going on, and then you begin to experience something better, you start heading for a change. Your perspective will change. The way you think about it will change. (laughs) At my day job, I work with audiovisual equipment, and usually in any conference room, there's a processor that's in the back, and that's controlling everything. It's the brains of the system. And then you have like a touch panel that tells the, the, the processor what you want it to do, and there's maybe a projector or a big flat screen TV or something of that nature, and maybe a switcher and some other stuff, a, a DVD player, all of these things. And my day job is about going from room to room making sure all of this equipment works in the room. Another part of my job is when somebody's in the middle of a meeting and something breaks, they call me and I come in and fix it. That's a large 
portion of my job. And so what happens sometimes when a processor stops working, it needs to be rebooted. It needs to be turned off and turned back on. And so when I first started working at the job, I would go to the room, and if the processor needed to be rebooted, I'd pull out my keys, go to the cabinet where the rack was. That's a big hunk of metal holding all the, informa- all the devices plugged, stacked in it together, and so it could weigh anywhere from 50 to 100 pounds. I'd get the keys. I'd open up the cabinet. I'd pull this big rack that weighed 50 to 100 pounds out of the closet or the cabinet. I'd reach my hand through get scraped up on all the equipment trying to reach to find the power plug, unplug the power cord, wait a couple seconds then plug it back in and wait for everything to boot back up. Took about 15 to 20 minutes. And you would be doing that while somebody was in the middle of a meeting freaking out. You know, they're trying to give a presentation to the vice president of oil and production or marketing and in the middle of the program, in the middle of their presentation, everything went down. And so they had to call for help and somebody had to run in and this 15 minute process of me doing this in order to get the system back running up. 15 minutes and a whole lot of sweat. But then I learned that the processor was connected to a network. And there was a program out there called Crestron Toolbox. So instead of running in and unlocking the door and having to drag 50 pounds of metal out, I could just open my laptop, connect to the processor, open up the program and type in R-E-B-O-O-T, enter, and do the same thing I'd been doing. And that took about two minutes. So once I learned that I didn't have to pull that out anymore, once my perspective had changed, I never wanted to go back to doing that again. Once you understand, and I'd have coffee in my, in my hand or a Mountain Dew or a Dr. Pepper, I'd walk in smooth. Oh, what's the problem? Okay. All right, call me if you need anything else. Once your perspective has changed, you are able to do much better. And so Paul is here trying to tell them to change their perspective. You don't have to hold on to what everybody else thinks of you. You don't have to hold on to what everybody else has said about you. God says better for you, and that's what you need to think about. Paul is telling them that they can be a better version of themselves. Put off the old clothes and put on some new clothes. And this work through Jesus is not only decisive, but it's perpetual. It has to be removed, renewed rather, over and over again. John Wesley said that when Paul said in the text to put to death, it meant to slay with a death stroke. And once you and, and slay with a not it meant put to death and then slay with a continued stroke. So you didn't just slice one time. You kept slicing and kept slicing and kept going and kept going so that you could continue to go higher and higher and higher. So you could continue to get better and better and better. It's not just one thing to get out of the fire and get out of whatever was troubling you, get out of that fire and just stay there and say, whew, I'm glad I made it. No, we have to keep going. 
keep going higher and higher. Keep setting our minds on what's above. We are being renewed day by day. Transformed from one degree of God's glory to another. So we must die to sell them daily and constantly put away evil. This is both our privilege and our responsibility as those who are born in Christ. And then it says that there is no, uh, here is there no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. A barbarian was those who they said did not speak Greek at the time. It's very interesting to be tied up in yourself and to think that because somebody doesn't speak your language, that they're not civilized. Because they don't talk like you talk. They could be a genius. But just because they don't speak the same language of you, just because they don't go to the same church as you, just because they're not a part of the same denomination as you. They could do great things for the kingdom. And a Scythian, by reputation, was what they considered an uncultured slave. They were made fun of in, 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 in uh, Greek comedies at the time. And Josephus, the, the historian, said that they were no better than wild beasts. We ought not think about that when we think about our fellow man. Is that love? And so Paul is saying that none of that matters, whether you were slave or free, whether you were a barbarian or a Gentile or a Greek or a Jew. Everybody can be saved through Christ Jesus. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, it didn't say what zip code you lived in didn't say how much education you had, didn't say how much money you had in your pocket, didn't say whether or not you had a criminal record or not, didn't say whether or not your IQ was below or almost to a Down syndrome or genius level. It did not matter. Christ is in all and all is in Christ. It matters not. He went to Calvary for everybody. He wore a crown of thorns for everybody. He was beaten and bruised for everybody. He stayed on the cross for everybody. And he died for everybody. And then he got up with all power in his hands for everybody. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.